0: appreciate you. Everybody at Underground Sports, thanks for the hat. I know man, I love y'all, folks, man. Happy birthday, man. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 156. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorino, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Happy belated birthday to Matt His birthday was on Sunday And if he missed it Our friend Mike Scott Wish Matt a happy birthday
1: One of the best birthday presents I've ever received That's he, for sure
0: He willingly was just like Yeah I'll do it Recorded that Took Herm's vlog camera uh, Said he wasn't a bitch about four times on it His agent was uh, Standing over in the corner like Oh god what's gonna happen it was, it was the best So we got to hang out with Mike Scott on Sunday it was really awesome to like actually connect with him in person, and uh, the Solar going to Arena Bowl 32. And whenever Mike Scott is in attendance for other games, the team seems to do really well. So I think we just need to give him a permanent residency at Citizens Bank Park. Maybe put him somewhere on the diamond uh, to help those Phillies out. But before we dive into uh, the Fills, the really only Sixers news uh, that we've had in the past, I'd say, 48 hours is uh, Ben Simmons down in Australia was denied access to uh, a casino, a nightclub-type thing, uh, and he said that he was kind of racially profiled, um, put out a statement about it and everything, and uh, it's kind of taken the Sixers' Twitter and just Twitter by storm a little bit, but um, it's something you never want to see for anybody. Um but for it to happen to Ben, obviously, it hits close to home for us because we support Ben Simmons and everything that he does. Uh, and, you know, to see that happen to him is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some debate about it is, like,
1: to what the reason was. Of course, like, the casino is going to say, yeah, of course, we <laughs> we profiled you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, apparently he wasn't in, like, the proper dress We didn't have some kind of a ID. I, I, to be very honest, I didn't read much <clears throat> up on it because yeah. it happened, like, so I quickly. Wo- yeah, and it happened like overnight for us. So I woke yeah. up in the morning and it was like kind of trending. And at that point all that had happened was Ben had just put out like his uh his statement about how upset he was, but yeah, hopefully it it, it wasn't a case of him, you know, being racially profiled and, and his friends um, fortunately could be the case, but to be very honest, I don't know enough about it to say like, yeah, this is uh this is what happened here. But, you know, hopefully uh hopefully it's something that that it was hopefully it was a misunderstanding <laughs> you know and hopefully it wasn't uh, as bad as it seems to be but uh yeah
0: we we love our benny yeah ben's uh, statement from uh just yesterday he said as you know an incident happened last night at crown and my friends and i felt personally singled out no one likes to feel like this i am very passionate about equality and i will always speak up even if it means having uncomfortable conversations and i mean we've seen ben simmons you know, take his stance on things, obviously, with the whole uh, Egg Boy incident and everything, writing that on his shoes and kind of, you know, standing up for that kid and everything um, when things were going down, when that event occurred. So, obviously, Ben is tapped into more than just, you know, basketball and PUBG Twitter. Um, So, I mean, obviously, like we said, you never want to see that happen. You know, hopefully it was just a misunderstanding, but, um, you know, Hopefully, Ben can uh, get past it, and they figure out what actually happened so that uh, it doesn't happen to Ben or his, his friends or anybody again. Yeah, sad to see that it's still in the world, though, you know, people mm-hmm. doing stuff like that, but that is the harsh reality of the world we live in, unfortunately, um, but I think a bulk of our show tonight is going to be yelling at the Phillies. Uh, Matt shirt says it all. They are oh, yeah. indeed killing us, Smalls. Um they lose again last night. We could Packers. use a little hand-the-porter action. We need little someone bit. to call their shot on this team. <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's so frustrating with this team. And, you know, they, they had a lead last night. They had the base is loaded again. Uh, I heard a, a statistic today on uh, WIP. It said uh, since July 1st, the Phillies have had 33 opportunities uh, with the bases loaded. Can you guess what they are in those opportunities? Like not getting a single run in, or just what their uh, how many hits they've had with the bases loaded since July first? Hits in thirty three opportunities. Yes, I would guess seven. Close. They are three for thirty three with the bases loaded, and I think what two of those are grand slams. I uh, know yeah. hit one like the other week. Michael Franco had one in July. Um <laughs> That's unbelievable.
1: So, Talk about Boomer Bust right there. Yeah.
0: Not great. Um but I mean they did win the first game of this series against the Diamondbacks, so they go for the series split tonight or the series uh win tonight in the rubber match. feels like a split. It does feel like a split. Um, and the, the unfortunate part about last night is Jake Arietta pitched, and he pitched well, yeah. you know, for what he's having to deal with, and we bag on Jake Arrieta, um, you know, just because he's always injured since he's been here, but... And moody. Yes, very moody. He likes to uh, crack skulls and, uh, you know, whatever floats your boat, but he, he went six innings for you last night, and the bullpen just flat out imploded, and... To To not be able to muster up any runs with this offense like we've been talking about, it's just it's so discouraging, and at what point do the Phillies realize that, you know, something's wrong with this team, and they have to admit to it? It's, it's the fact that there is something wrong, but there has been no kind of full-blown admits that, like, yeah, we're struggling, even from players and stuff like that. You know, We saw Reese kind of come out and say that he struggled, like he's mad at himself. Um, but the team as a whole has not really embraced the fact that they are not good right now. Yeah, they're just like right now an above-average team. And you know, what's even
1: more frustrating that we didn't even talk about was the White Sox series yeah. and how just sucky that was. Terrible ending so to the deflating. series on, a, again, a, a huge weekend. And it really does feel that we're at a point in this stage of season where if it's not Aaron Nola pitching, it feels like it's really honestly mm-hmm. a crapshoot, you know, and which was yeah, last year too. Yeah. You know, and, and that's disappointing. Again, you know, dropping a series at home to the white Sox is kind of unforgivable, uh, considering just where they are as a team, where we are as a team, even r- remove like our potential. Like we are just a much better baseball team than the white Sox. Um, Understand if you drop a game to them, of course, but I think just to lose a home series to the White Sox is really inexcusable, and it's one of the many series losses this year that are just kind of hard to get over. And yeah, if we drop this one to the Diamondbacks as well, you know, it's it's another one. You know, if you you string two bad series losses, obviously the Diamondbacks a little bit better than the White Sox, but they had a pretty big sell off at the trade deadline, so clearly they're not a team that is you know really invested in winning right now they're they're more than happy i think to just kind of experiment a little bit um and if they lose they they're they're fine with that mm-hmm. whereas we're we're now playing on racer thin margins and you look at the division as well and we already knew you know the braves have a really you know stranglehold on the division right now but you know, the nationals of course have Really turned a corner since, like, late spring, and now the Mets have yep.
0: won five straight and like, 12 of their last 13. The Mets are a game behind uh, us, I believe, in the division, Yeah, and they are, like, two back in the wild card. Uh Ridiculous. They're one back in the wild card now, because they
1: won today, so pending to tonight's result, they could be, you know, two back, or they could be right there. It's just... It's crazy. That's, you know, but you now have this division really tightening it up when we have a lot of divisional games left in the rest of the series, a lot of, a lot of really, really important series as we like go in, especially into September. Um, and I guess in a way it's good that the team isn't like outwardly being negative because this is going to be like some really high pressure baseball. Unfortunately, we saw with the brave series like a week and a half ago that in a high pressure series, they didn't really perform all that well. Um, you do wonder. Just I guess we'll see what this team is like truly made of in in those series, right? You know we still have um, some games in between them, but you now look every single, even the Marlins ones, you know, are going to be really crucial because you're going to be wanting to pick up what theoretically should be easier wins, but for the Phillies that doesn't exist. Right. Um, but yeah, every, every series you now have against your divisional opponents, which I already mean a little bit more, are going to mean that much more and every win and loss just means that much more as you like go into this this final stretch of the season and i guess we'll see if they can at least handle pressure we know that this year like we've said a a billion times it's a multitude of things between injuries and roster mismanagement but you know if they can at least handle these like what are going to be playoff series essentially you know like that that's just going to be the significance of them Mm -hmm. then that's at least a a positive you know thing that you can take in the the offseason with you whether that's you know, we get playoffs or not.
0: Right, and you know, some positives to take away from last night. Corey Dickerson played, he let off, he's leading off again tonight. Hit an absolute slam of a home run. Um, And I mean, that's a positive because you don't know when exactly Jay Bruce is going to be back. So if you can get production from Corey Dickerson, even with the groin injury he's dealing with, that's a big positive for this team. Uh, And then the other... News that came out that we didn't get to talk about, too, is uh, my brand took a massive hit as uh, Michael Franco's uh, option to Lehigh Valley on Sunday. Uh, so he is with the Iron Pigs. He uh, spoke with the media down uh, down on the farm uh, just yesterday or today, I believe. Um, and, you know, he said that he's going to play as much as, he, as much as he can. He's there to play. He's there to work. Um, you know, he, he's going to... Do as much as he can to work on things, uh, and if he gets the call up in September, great. But that's something that he can't control um, because it's up to obviously the team calling him back up. But it's just one really weird that Michael Franco still had minor league options left, and two that like they're like okay, it's August, we're just gonna send him down. Yeah, it's you know I think again when you
1: talk about roster mismanagement <clears throat> this year, it goes beyond just coming into the season with kind of a a short staffed starting pitching, you know, and related to the pitching as well is that one of the actual complaints from the players this year has just been the yo-yoing of them Mm -hmm. through the bullpen and to starters and how that changes just your rhythm, your mental state. And, you know, half of our pitchers are like confidence pitchers, you know, like they need to be constantly reassured and have like these good, you know, long lasting outings. And this is, could be another step of where, you know, sending him down to the minors, what is that really going to do for Mike Like, is that... I I don't know, you know, maybe he reacts well to it, and certainly by his statement, he seems to be taking it, you know, seriously. It's not like he's treating this as... But he's a professional at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, and I mean, he's, you know, he's he's played Major League Baseball for some time now. It's not as if he's, you know, completely green on this, but yeah, I I do wonder just kind of what this is going to do to him. Maybe this is the spark that he needs, but like, I feel like we've kind of always been waiting for the spark with him. And I think some people have been unfair to criticize, you know, his like motivation and all that. Um, But like, is this what's going to get it done? I'm not entirely sure about that. Like, I I don't know. Like if if you're talking about like confidence and where players are mentally, I can't imagine that in a crucial part of the season when this team needs bodies. And I know Franco has not been great, but like, just what that has to feel like being demoted like this. And I I just, I'm very curious to see how and if he recovers. Because, I mean, who knows? Like, <laughs> this this could just be the end. I doubt it is. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's strange. It's a strange
0: decision. And, I don't it just kind of, it I, threw it's a wait off. and see, I guess, really. Um, I think the one big thing that I take away as a positive um, is that he's going to get to go down to the minors where, a lot of our minor league and young guys have seen success with the hitting philosophy that's down there that we've been talking about for, the, you know, it seems like forever now with Jason Ochart and driveline. So maybe he gets that kind of, uh, you know, a spark under him working with the driveline guys and working with Jason Ochart since he's down uh, with all the Phillies minor league uh, affiliates and everything. So maybe that'll help Mike Hell swing because the biggest thing with Mike Hell is he's a guy that really doesn't lift the ball. He hits the ball into the infield and grounds out a ton. So if he can maybe work on a little bit of getting his bat to lift uh, the ball over some of these infielders' heads and work on, you know, just being able to drive the ball, um, it'll help him and really boost his value, uh, whether it's to stay or if they decide they want to trade him and move on from him. Um, but I think that's one positive to look at it from Mikel's standpoint, and I um, you know it's it's just really weird to send a guy down to that everybody in this locker room seems to just love you know he's got he's the first guy giving handshakes to guys after they get a, a huge hit or a home run or something like that um He's, he brings energy. He was one of the first with, like, a Bryce, you know, <clears throat> yeah. like
1: a handshake celebration. You know? Exactly. Like, whereas everyone has one of them now, but, you know, him and, like, Reese
0: were, like, the first two to have mm-hmm. that kind of connection with him, so. Bryce brought up Michael Franco, you know, in his introductory press conference talking about how he spoke to him and said that he wasn't going to take his number seven from him, um, so to take a guy that has just that energy and kind of, you know, might not be playing well, but he's going to be a high-energy guy in the clubhouse and just taking him completely out. I wonder what that does for the rest of the 24 guys on the roster and now 25 that Brad Miller's back, but uh, I can't imagine that a lot of these guys were too thrilled with the decision either. I think it's
1: It feels like a weird power play almost where it's like, okay, we need some... You, you obviously can't really make any roster additions at this point outside of calling someone up. You need some sort of shake-up in the locker room, something to maybe recharge people and maybe get them even a little bit pissed off maybe this is what they thought that move could be i think even if you're talking about like future trade value i think this does nothing but hurt it because Mm now you know he was already kind of limping through most of this season um you know he wasn't already like the best trade asset you had now you've you've put him down into the minors and you know who knows if we even see him for the rest of the regular season i suspect at some point we will but you know like That doesn't (laughs) the only way it improves the trade value is if he actually comes back improved right Mm -hmm. but i mean i think that's that's a a pretty big gamble so i'm not entirely sure what the angle is here and i think it is going to be interesting how the you know the clubhouse responds but at the same time like i feel like there's been plenty of times this season for the clubhouse to respond from both criticism and just their own poor performances and You've gotten like mixed signals from that. Like, at times this team seems really resilient and like mentally strong. And then other times it feels like they just give up, you know, like, and Mm -hmm. like I, and they just kind of, I wouldn't say give up, but they just get frustrated and like throw the hands up. And you see just this like, it's like, oh, we'll get them tomorrow. Very like apathetic Mm -hmm. attitude about just like, you know, results of games. And I understand you kind of have to put things past and just move on, especially in a season like this where you have. Just so many games, of course, but I, I do feel like we've just had this this very strange season with the culture of the team, where at times it has felt and not always in just like the best of times. There's been times where you know they've pulled off big wins and it felt
0: like damn, like that was impressive. Mm-hmm. Like that Dodgers game when they came back from being down and had to score nine runs in order to win that game. You know, being able to split with the Dodgers it was and that, huge, and that was part of a, a pretty rough stretch of the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like but
1: then you know, do you see the White Sox this weekend? And it's just like... You see those Marlins series. Where see? was any of that energy? Where was like... And, you know, I know that's so cliche to be like, oh, this team has no fight or whatever, but it it really does feel like that sometimes where it's like, I feel like there's just... What happened? You know, mm-hmm. like, where, like why is this team so frequently inconsistent? You know, like, the only yeah. consistency they have is that they're inconsistent. Yeah, And that's, that's, I think, the most frustrating part. And, again, you know if demoting Franco is, like, your way of maybe maybe even just showing, like, consequences to
0: just playing terribly. Yeah, you know, I mean, know like we saw the, it early this year with Nick Pavetta yeah. getting sent down. We saw Nick Williams constantly getting sent down. And
1: Nick Williams is talking about how this
0: is the worst year of his life. Yeah. You know, like, so, like. Which it, Nick Williams and Mike Franco are, like, night and day with how they're handling these situations. But, yeah, like, you see these, these opportunities for these younger guys that are supposed to be a part of this core and uh it's it's deflating them in a big way yeah so i i just do wonder about it what this is going to do for Franco's confidence i
1: think you make a good point too about just the rest of the clubhouse and what it's going to do for them but you know i think the time has come for like to just be really honest about this team and you know if if they want people to not criticize them if they don't want this to be a really long winter you just need to win like that's yeah. it you know like and- you need to go on a tear and, you know, like, I wouldn't even say you need to go on a tear. Like, if you just play, like, a few games above 500, you're almost certainly in the playoffs just because of how many divisional series mm-hmm. you have left. Like, I, you don't even go play, like, 600 baseball the rest of the way. Like, if you're, you know, you just win some big series and, and you're there. So I think it's, it's kind of like nut up or shut up time for this team where it's like, you know, and it's not like they've been doing a lot of, like, talking, you know, about, like, Whatever, like, obviously some of, like, the post-game stuff has been a little loony, especially mm-hmm. from Gabe, cause, but he's just always kind of out there in left field. Um, and it seems his, like
0: as they've struggled recently, too, he's kind of reverted back to his last season post-game press conferences. The pep talk, game. Yeah. where it's like, oh, no, these guys are great. It's like you're looking on the bright side when like they It's like a really kindergarten no teacher side.
1: talking about the students, and you know that not all of them are, like all developing and <laughs> growing and learning, and they all know they're like, you know there's definitely a few of them that are lagging behind, but the teacher's never going to say that, of course. That's Gabe. Like, he's just <laughs> kind of standing in front of the class is like, mm-hmm. Franco was picking his nose. And it's like, well, no, he's doing great. I, right. I really love, you know, like, and I get that. You have to have, you have to keep, like, the good feeling going, and I think that is a valuable asset. But at the same time, like, I hope that in private <laughs> there's an understanding that some of these losses... A lot of these losses are are unacceptable, and frankly, this team had just much higher aims than this. And that's not to say that they had to be like World Series contenders right out of the gate, um, but I think we also felt that we weren't going to be
0: like contending for the second wild card spot yeah. in August, you know. And it being August, and the Mets are only, you know, a game back and two out in the loss column. Uh, like
1: and the Mets again made a big move with the deadline and everyone kind of said, "Well, why are the Mets doing right. that?" Well, there you, <laughs> go. you go. They're right back in the wild card race now, you know. And yeah, well, that's that's another frustrating thing too is, you know, like I'd kind of made my peace to the Phillies not really making, you know, any kind of big deals at the trade deadline. It it made some kind of sense, but then again, when you see it paying off for a team, let alone a divisional rival
0: that and now you your wild card mm-hmm. rival, and you especially see especially when the other two teams in front of you made significant yeah. upgrades to their bullpens. That- Essentially kind of
1: standing still, you know, in, you know, in a week where the three teams around you all made significant improvements, mm-hmm. not not even just like minor tweaks. Like they all made for each team addressed a certain weakness or kept, you know, Syndergaard instead of, you know, just dealing him off, you know, like still staying in the race and, and in a way building for the future. So, that was that's a frustrating aspect of uh, as well of this like Mets run that they're on is you know you kind of wonder if if you had made that that just push for something at the trade deadline mm-hmm. what that maybe does for the morale of this team and maybe you know and improve some some wins here but it's it's impossible to know unfortunately but yeah. there's there's a lot there's a lot about this season that is just like shrouded in mystery and a lot of what ifs for this year I think you start with the injuries and like work from there, but you know there's still like plenty to salvage mm-hmm. as well. You know, you, it's still early August, and you know you win the series against the Diamondbacks. You've Got a pretty difficult series against the Giants coming up. You know, you and then you go home and face the Cubs. Yeah, this is like a this is like a pretty significant hurdle in the mm-hmm. season right here, and you, I think you you just keep winning games. You know, keep grinding it. Like that's that just has to be the uh,
0: the mantra for the rest of the year now definitely and uh to get off of the sad phillies banter uh players weekend is coming up they released uh what the jerseys and hats will look like usually these are very like colorful uniforms this year they are going with uh, funeral black (laughs) black and white uh and ghost white uniforms i kind of like the hat um, with it being blackout, out, but I did see a hilarious tweet that said half the league is going to look like they're in a Fat Joe music video. Um, I'm very disappointed with some of these nicknames, though. Like, who, who calls Bryce Harper Harp? Harp. Who? <laughs> I was hoping for, like, Rocky or, you know, something other than just, you know, taking the last two letters off of his last name, but going through... Uh, you know, these uh, these nicknames, one of the funny tweets that came out, uh, one of the Angels relievers, Ty Buttrey, uh, is going with the emoji back. We saw that last year with Brad Boxberger. Uh, so Major League Baseball, according to Fabian Ardaya, he's the uh, one of the Angels beat reporters, he said they allowed Ty Buttrey to use the peach emoji and the tree emoji for his Players Weekend nickname. This is the only Players Weekend content that matters. It's a fair assessment. Uh, But for the Phillies, Jose Alvarez, his nickname is Kike. Sure. Um, Jay Bruce is going with Bruce with uh, three-letter U's in there. Corey Dickerson, CD. Zach Eflin, EF. Uh, Bryce Harper, like we said, is harp. Cesar Hernandez, Cecita, Reese Hoskins, big fella. Gabe Kapler going with cap. Scott Kingery with one of the best nicknames in all of sports, jetpacks and all Capitals. Uh, Andrew Knapp going with Nap Time. Andrew McCutcheon going with Drew That's Sneeze. That's weird because every
1: time Andrew Knapp is playing, I feel like
0: taking yes. a nap instead. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon explained his player's uh, weekend nickname as well on Twitter this morning. Sounds like a drowsy evolution. Yes, I agree completely. Um, but he said when he was growing up, everybody uh, just called each other. You know their name, and then put "sneeze" at the end. So Drew, being shortened for Andrew, so he's Drew Sneeze. Uh, Adam Morgan is Amo. Mike Moran, Moosh. Hector Nerys is Compa N, which Compa I looked this up after last year. Compa stands for friend um, because it was Hector Nerys, Michael Franco, and Jose uh, or Luis Roger, Luis Garcia, all had the the Compa with their first initial of their last name. Aaron Nola going with Knowles. Who calls him that? Uh, Juan Nicasio going with Aaron Asso. Uh, Blake Parker, be easy. Nick Pavetta is piv. Never heard that in my life. Roman Quinn is PSJ. JT Real Muto, real. Jesus. <laughs> Sean Rodriguez is Chi-Chi. Gene Segura is El Mambo, which we see in all of his social media handles. Drew Smiley is smiles spelled correctly, not with the Y. Jason Vargas, Vargy, and Vince Velasquez might have one of the cooler ones. It's V squared.
1: Yeah, that's not bad. Um, but mixed
0: results. Nothing really. Overall, like, all these are really bad. Kind of just lame. Scott <laughs> Kingery.
1: I think that might Andrew be the McCutcheon best.
0: Andrew McCutcheon, and Vince Velasquez might have the best because at least Andrew McCutcheon's has like a meaning behind yeah. it. But you are not to get to see it, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the rest of these are just god-awful. Like, a, you, you didn't even mention Jake Area. Jake snake. snake. Jake the he was snake, He that last wow. year, too. Very cool. <laughs> They're bad. Let them pick their own. I And I, I saw something on Twitter, because I was with Herm the other day, and uh, the Red Sox, because Herm is a big Red Sox fan, unfortunately, but uh, he saw something on Twitter where a lot of the Red Sox players didn't even pick Their nicknames, they were just given to them. So I'm wondering if this is the same type of thing that happened where a lot of the Phillies guys just didn't pick their nicknames and it was kind of just given to them. I hope so. I hope that's the case, honestly. Because these are awful. That's pretty uncreative. But, but, you know, looking at these nicknames, uh, Vargy is on the mound tonight, everybody's favorite science teacher, uh, going for the Phillies tonight in his second start with the Phillies. Um, so we'll see what he's able to do out in the desert. I mean, one one positive that we saw from Jason Vargas' first start in Phillies uniform, he gave us a quality start. He was he was pretty good. Um, will he be able to replicate it? We'll see. Uh, especially you know in Arizona where the humidor is a factor for everything. Um, but hopefully Jason Vargas can uh, come through and help the Phillies win this series against the Diamondbacks before they go to San Francisco for four. Um because they need to desperately go on like a stretch right here where they win this game and win three out of four against the Giants, two out of three against the Cubs, um, which is going to be a, a tall task for this team because the Cubs, as much as they've struggled this year, are, you know, still playing pretty good baseball. Um, I mean, you look at like the standings right now, and it's really just the NL East and the
1: NL Central all just kind of <laughs> just wailing at yeah. each other. <laughs> and that's, that's the way it's going to go for the rest of the year right now. And um, Yeah, Cubs are, like you said, going to be no short order for the Phillies here.
0: And then after that, you host the Padres and Manny Machado for three games, uh, as well as Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the up-and-coming stars in this league. And then you go to Boston for two, another team that has not been great this year, kind of similar to the Phillies. In uh, how they've performed, but Boston is one of those teams that can kind of just flip the switch because they have the talent and really, you know, wail on you. Uh, and then, of course, everybody's favorite series going down to Miami for three to take on the Marlins, uh, which should be, honestly, one of the, the litmus tests, unfortunately, for this team because they have not been able to get it done against the Marlins. <laughs> I don't even want to say anything. Yeah, <laughs> just... and then you get the Pirates at home for three, and then you host the Mets for three to uh, round out the month of August. And we we go through the schedule all the time on the show, and um, just looking at where we sit right now, this next you know seven game stretch is arguably the most important of the season yeah. to date. You know, looking at what you have after that compared to what is in this stretch. Uh, the Giants are a team that won't go away and the Cubs are a team like we said they're good they made a move at the deadline to get Nick Castellanos to add to an already loaded lineup Uh, maybe when the Cubs come here we can send John Maley back with them uh, so that the Phillies can find a competent hitting coach but um, it's just just really frustrating with the team just knowing the talent that they have and what we thought they were going to be able to do um, just hasn't come to fruition and we, we say it's the injuries, it's, you know, lack of attention to the pitching staff and just the depth on this team. But I, I just hope for the sake of this team, because with Eagles football back tomorrow in game style, if they don't start putting some wins together, they're going to get forgotten about really, really quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think one test you always want to look at for for baseball is like by month right just kind of mm-hmm. going on your record and if you're going to go you know above 500 for this month which is crucial to to staying in the wild card race especially considering you you have some pretty big series against wild card opponents you, like this is the stretch now this week and a half where you have to put that together like if you lose you know these next two series you know and really even the diamondback series tonight you have just put yourself in even though you have what is thought you, know, you might think to be an easier schedule some more winnable series even though there's really haven't been all that much this year for the the mm-hmm. Phillies um you know you're going to have to like sweep those series to really make up that ground that you've just conceded and yeah i think we've had like these little breaks in the season where we've thought like okay like you know going over this next you know two weeks how important you know it is to just win these series or at least you know split the series if you can. Um, this is another one of those stretches where you are going to see a little bit of just, you know, how we match up talent-wise with these other teams. Unfortunately, we know we're more likely than not to lose these years before, just, just with how the season has gone. And, um, you know, you look at the, these Cubs games, they're going to be probably slugfests, uh, like <laughs> like seven to five games and all this, you know, just because – we I, I don't have much confidence at all in in the pitching of this team at the moment. I don't know anyone that really is outside of your Nola day. I I just I don't feel great about it, and you know that's from starting pitching all the way to the relief. So, yeah, a, a big
0: a big series coming up now. Um, you know these next few weeks for the Phillies. Yeah, and uh, some more smiling and frowns. Uh, the MLB pipeline has released you know their updated top 100 prospects list for the midseason uh, report and everything. They finally concocted all of that and uh, the Phillies did not grade out very well in terms of their uh, prospect pool but our friends at the Good Fight uh, put together their top 20 list and uh, it's pretty interesting because uh, you know Alex Carr on Twitter at Alex Carr MLB um, puts out a lot of good stuff with the minor leaguers. Uh, lots of reports about Alec Boehm home runs and some of the guys that are down in Single A and um, you know and some of the Gulf Coast League stuff and everything. So it's good to you know look at that kind of stuff and see what the drive line hitting philosophy is doing for these guys because Alec Bohm has been on an absolute tear for Matts Brand uh, that we talked about on Saturday and immediately after we signed off at Dufresne's boom, what do we see? Another Alec Bohm home run. Um, but looking at the the top 20 that they uh, compiled here. It goes uh, Starling Castillo, he's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, He's number 20, followed by Eric Miller, a left-handed pitcher. Mauricio Lovera, a right-handed pitcher. Rodolfo Duran, a catcher. uh, Is number 17, Jamari Baylor, who they drafted this year, a shortstop. Uh, He's number 16, Davey Grouillon, catcher, number 15. Logan Ohop, another catcher, number 14, JoJo Romero, one of my personal favorite Phillies prospects, a left-handed pitcher at number 13. Damon Jones, a guy who I would not be shocked if we see him in September uh, out of the bullpen, left-hander, throws really hard. I think he's got a bright future in the bullpen potentially for this team. He's number 12, and then Simon Masciotti, an outfielder, clocks in at number 11 uh, on this list. Uh, And then number 10, Rafael Marchand, one of our top catching prospects, if not number one in terms of our catchers. Uh, They have him at number 10. Uh, Eniel De Los Santos, who if you remember we got for Freddy Galvez uh, from the Padres, he's number nine. Uh, I really want to see Eniel just kind of figure it out and become a really good bullpen arm for this team because I think he has the potential to do that. I don't think he's going to be good enough to be a starter in the big leagues just from his pitching style, but I think if he gets one more pitch... He's going to be a nice little weapon out of the bullpen for the Phillies. Uh, number eight, Mickey Moniak, uh, who has been putting some, some nice swings together, putting a nice little stretch together recently. Uh, number seven, Francisco Morales. Number six, Luis Garcia, shortstop, uh, who a lot of people believe is the shortstop of the future. Uh, number five is Adonis Medina, right-handed pitcher. Everybody knows him because he was always paired with Sixto, who... By the way, he is uh, tearing it up for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the double-A team of the Marlins. He's gone 19 straight innings without giving up a run. Um, Bryson Stott, who is, in my opinion, the shortstop of the future, uh, clocks in at number four. Um, Number three, Adam Hazley, Still hasn't played enough innings uh, in the majors to not be considered a prospect. He clocks in at number three. Number two, Spencer Howard. Fingers crossed is in the rotation next year. To go one-two punch with Aaron Nola and then obviously Alec Boehm number one, but those top two prospects right there wouldn't be shocked if we also see them in September potentially. If you know things are very close, you know in terms of the wild card, in terms of things with the Nationals, especially with that five-game series looming, uh, you know late in September, call those guys up, get as many bodies and as many good baseball players that you have to go into this thing and, and give it all you got.
1: Yeah, you know, and we talked about sending Franco down and the message that might send to, like, everyone else, whether that's you know, risky or whatever, if it's received positively or negatively, I think the inverse of that would be give, like, some of these young guys mm-hmm. a shot because I think that would do a few things. One, promotes competition within the team. Like, demoting Franco, you're not really, like... Not really making anyone sweat with a move like that yeah. where like they're now gonna have to improve and set their game up or there's someone kind of waiting in the wings to, in fact if anything it kind of makes you almost weaker in a sense because you don't really have all the coverage that you want and all the all the you know positions um, whereas if you if you were to bring just some young guys up who are hungry you saw with Hazley, like how genuinely well he's been playing this past month Um you know, you could maybe get, like, a little extra out of some of these, these older guys that maybe just need that little bit of motivation and competition for their spot. And, yeah, you know, Boehm especially is someone that, again, I, I, I rattled off about a few times these past few weeks. Just, I don't get why, like, you know, the Phillies constantly do this with, like, just calling guys up late. And, you know, you, again, you, look, you don't even have to look outside of the division to see just young guys that get called up at, like, 19, 20 years old. And they're very green, but they handle it. You know, like I you're seeing it with Hazley, you know, like and I'm not even sure if it wasn't for injury if we would have even seen Adam Hazley this year, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, well what what's the point? What's the point of having these like great what ifs if you're never gonna see what if? Like that's it's just kinda dumb to me and you know, I understand there's more to it than just we'll call the guy up, you know? Like I, I get even contractually, you know, you may wanna just wait another year for a guy. I get it. But at the same time, like it is frustrating when his team is kind of crying out for a little injection of something and you have kind of a ready-made vaccine mm-hmm. like an hour away. You know, just call them and they'll come and like, I don't know, you know, and that's not, you know, Alec Boma is going to come in and probably immediately be amazing, but it's really, Let me get his feet wet. It's just a dice roll and yeah. it's kind of for free. <laughs> like exactly. It's not even like, you know, if he doesn't perform well. I doubt that shakes his confidence forever. And, you know, it's not all that surprising. You know, people come up for the minors all the time and don't perform as well, right? But, again, you, you've seen it with Hazley that he's performed well, you know, in Major League expectations and he's getting more innings now and at-bats. Why Why not? You know, mm-hmm. unless they really think that they have gems in these guys and they want to wait till next season, you know, for, for all the contract, negotiation, arbitration. I, I get that, but... It is frustrating seeing them light it up like they are and continually improving over the course of this year and just, you know, it's like, it's literally like being in your house and having like your favorite ice cream locked in the freezer and your roommate has the lock for it, but just refuses to give you the key. Cause you're just like, yeah, you can wait for it. You know, like you can look at it, but you can't
0: have it right now. It's just, well, what the hell? <laughs> just yeah. Give me the key. <laughs> just give me my damn ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> um, But, I mean, like we said, Eagles football is back, back tomorrow. And if the Phillies don't start winning, they're going to kind of just go by the wayside to a lot of people um, because they did not meet expectations for this season. But Eagles football is back. Sunday they had their one and only open practice, over 40,000 people in attendance, um, which I think was huge um, to see that. And they raised, you know, half a million dollars uh for the eagles autism challenge just from this one night so hats off to all the eagles fans that were able to go and uh you know bought tickets and contributed to uh the eagles autism challenge by attending open practice the lone negative of open practice was training camp star joe osman is done for the season tours acl uh had to get carted off the field And uh, he was having a stellar, stellar training camp. Looked like he was going to be a near lock to make this team. And now uh, he's going to have to wait until next year because of the ACL tear, which is super unfortunate, especially for this team looking to have as much depth as they can uh, because they are one of the few teams that are kind of Super Bowl or bust, in my opinion, where they are so good that if they don't make the Super Bowl slash win it, uh, I think it could be classified as an absolute, you know, failure. They are at that level now, and I don't disagree, but, I, you know, you
1: see injuries happen like this all the time, and, you know, as I think with the qualifier that everyone, or you know, at least most players, you know, when no one really makes you through a full season, you know, completely healthy, people are going to miss time, but if this team is generally healthy, and you know, all all the big pieces make it through the season or the playoffs, yeah, I, I think this is... A Super Bowl favorite, you know, going into that, but um, yeah, it's it's exciting. Obviously, upsetting, you know. We, you know, we, we talked about how you you are going to start hearing more about injuries with with players as you get more into training camp. It's just again, it's on a, kind of a harsh reality of just you know the nature of the game where mm-hmm. you have guys unfortunately getting injured and you know they seemed really promising or just exciting to have you know added to the roster and um, hope they make obviously a quick recovery. Hope. You know, we have as little injury issues as possible going forward, but, you know, you do know that, obviously, it's just going to happen. The nature um, of the beast. Yeah, and um, sometimes they're just completely unpreventable, too, which mm-hmm. which sucks even more. So hopefully uh, hopefully, stay out of that, you know, going forward now. But we got preseason this week, which is fantastic, even though it's not – it's football, but it's like,
0: yeah, it's, like, not
1: really football, but it's also football. Yeah. Like,
0: Because, you know, the Hall of Fame game was on last week, and I had no interest whatsoever. It was a lame matchup. It was was terrible. The Broncos-Falcons? Yeah, it was awful. Um, Yeah, that storied
1: Denver-Atlanta rivalry. Rocky um, Mountain Oysters meets strip clubs and hip-hop. Like, (laughs) what? Yeah, Um, it's like patagonia versus like, what? (laughs) And one?
0: (laughs) Um... Yeah, I mean the Eagles are back tomorrow, but it's kind of in quotation marks because you're not going to see anybody. It's going to be a lot of these backups kind of fighting for positional uh, spots and everything like that. Which is is exciting. It's fun. It's it's fun to see guys.
1: Team guys that you've like never really heard of either, and you know, there's always at least for for every team, there's at least you know two or three guys, maybe more, maybe less that kind of make an impression on you and you get really excited about and. You know, again, maybe someone you just never heard of, uh, a rookie or just a, a veteran that's sort of bounce around. That's always the the fun part of the preseason is kind of you you find these little gems that whether or not they actually come good, you get really excited about and kind of get reinvigorated and it holds you over until the real deal. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's that's the exciting part about preseason that I think everyone looks forward to is, is seeing some new faces that you, you haven't heard of and, you know, guys that could be the future of this roster, you know, you, you consider – just some of the guys that have made big plays, you know, even Super Bowl clinching plays for this team. Quite a few of them are guys that, you know, you probably weren't even all that jazzed (laughs) up about on draft. Or you probably didn't even watch that part of the draft that they were in, or they were undrafted. So Corey Clement, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) who I was going for. Um, Yeah. You know, so there's always going to be talent that, uh, that you just haven't, haven't really seen or heard of that. You're going to find out about in preseason. And that's, which is truly exciting.
0: Yeah. And our friends over at the go birds pod, um, they're doing a fun little thing for those kind of hidden gems that, uh, it's kind of named after a former Eagle known as Nay Brown. Uh, he was part of the Eagles in 1999. I believe he was undrafted. Um, a lot of people, you know, saw him having a, a decent camp and, you know, thought he could stick and preseason games came and he absolutely lit the world on fire. And, uh, He came in, spent three seasons with the Eagles. Um, So they're giving out the Nay Brown Award, uh, and they're getting a trophy made, and it's with the Eagles and everything, which I think is really cool. So uh, if you have somebody that you're watching tomorrow night that you think is going to be similar to Nay Brown, a guy that you didn't really hear of before uh, training camp and everything, and now you're starting to uh, grow an affection towards them, tweet at GoBirdsPod who you think it will be uh, with their name, and then use hashtag NayBrownAward. And uh, they'll tally you down and everything. And I think it's a cool little thing they're doing to kind of just recognize some of these guys that are on the roster bubble that are not necessarily going to make the team, but have a real good shot. And if they do make it, they're going to have a nice little trophy for them. So shout out to our friends at the Go Birds Pod. They will more than likely be making appearances throughout all of Eagles season this year with us. Uh, and Eagles Enemies is back. It went up today uh, with our friend Teron Davenport to preview Eagles Titans tomorrow uh, at the link. So first home game of the season technically tomorrow and I know the link's going to be rocking um, as the Titans come in and we have a sour taste in our mouth with the Titans from last regular season and obviously it's preseason so it doesn't really matter in terms of win and loss but um, I'm sure there's going to be some guys that were you know depth pieces that will be playing tomorrow that are going to want to stick it to some of these guys that were with the Titans last year after that Horrible, horrible, horrible loss in uh, week four against the Titans.
1: One of the worst losses of last year. There were a several, but, yeah, I think that one sung the most. And, yeah, um, exciting. I, I'm i very pumped that football back. I'm not, like, the biggest, you know, and if I am a big fantasy You are a big fantasy guy. Um, enjoyer, enthusiast, that's the word, not enjoyer. Someone thought of that for me. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know kind of a sign of the season is like starting to get back into fantasy football. And I've been, been dabbling a little bit, dabbling a little bit, but it's not, it's not quite mock draft time yet. Just cause you know, you don't know who's unfortunately going to get injured. Mm-hmm. And maybe who he's even sitting out. Casey like, Killian. Melvin Gordon. Uh, yeah, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, but that's exciting. You know, like that's, that's something I really look forward to every year is, is the fantasy football and, and all that comes with it. It's, Without a doubt, the best fantasy sport, like mm-hmm. in in any sport, like there's just it's tailor made for it, and um, very excited to have that back in my life.
0: And if you do want some mock draft action, myself and uh, our head honcho of the goal line fantasy football uh, faction of Underground Sports Philadelphia, Mikey Ostrowski, uh, we did a mock draft live on the podcast that will go up for you guys on Saturday. Um, so be sure to check that out when it drops. If you're not subscribed to us already, do it. Apple Podcasts, leave those five-star ratings and reviews, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that good stuff, and you'll get it right away. Um, But also, shout-out to Goal Line today. They reached 1,000 followers on the Twitter.com too, so thank you to everybody who has been supporting um, the Goal Line Fantasy Football uh, kind of transition from stat sheet last season into now Goal Line being its own you know, entity and actually having uh, a brand and identity on Twitter. So uh, it's very much appreciated. But uh, with football being back too, Hard Knocks is back, debuted last night. Heard it was a very underwhelming episode, uh, but we did get that disgusting photo of Antonio Brown's feet. Um, I can't imagine many athletes, especially like football
1: players doing cleats a lot and like. I know some people like their cleats like a size smaller mm-hmm. as
0: well, so it gets super cramped. Can't imagine many of them look good. Now a lot of people thought it was, you know, blisters and that kind of stuff. Came out yesterday or early today that uh it was in fact Antonio Brown has frostbite on his feet because of a um like I a, don't wanna a chamber incident? Like crypto crypto Something I'm gonna pull it up here so I don't get it wrong, but his feet are actually frostbitten and, and they got
1: burned because a hyperbaric he did, chamber thing, yeah, or like like whatever a, a it cry, is, cryo uh, cry, chamber, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, because he did not have the proper footwear on when he put his feet in the chamber. Uh, this is like you know he looked like a Johnny Depp villain in like a Tim Burton movie already with like the blonde mustache. Like this is his origin story. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Chris Sims from uh. Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports uh, talked about this because he had the same thing happen to him. And uh, Antonio Brown, for those of you at home who were wondering, he did indeed burn his feet and is now frostbitten. And there's no timetable for his return to the practice field, which has made John Gruden very, very upset. Well, I don't blame him. That's... uh... (laughs) Frankly, a pretty dumb reason to
1: not have your star player ready for, for training camp. But Only the Raiders. Hard Knocks, I have not uh, not watched a Hard Knocks in a really long time. I think the last one I watched, unfortunately, was the Dolphins one. Yeah. I think it was Joe Philbin's first season, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. Dol- My Dolphins are canceled, by the way. Yes. If you know, you know, but, man. Shout out Kenny Stills. Rough. Rough. Um, yeah, so I I know Amazon has uh, like their version of Hard Knocks. Yeah, it's I've with watched the, it, uh, the Panthers this season. Yeah, and I've watched that before with Manchester City, which is it's really interesting. Like I would, I would consider watching the the Panthers one, but I don't have HBO either, so it doesn't exactly it's help. Very true. Um, yeah, I, 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 Hard Knocks has always been kind of cool, but it just feels like something that did get a little stale after the first... Especially now with how much more access you mm-hmm. have than ever before to, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. It's right. nice to have it all, like, edited really nice and storied for you, but, like, feel like 70% of the stuff, like, your beat reporter is telling you, mm-hmm. you know, and you have notifications on for them. So it's like, you, you don't really need all of, all of the excess that right. you get with Hard Knocks,
0: but it is cool nonetheless. I would like to see Hard Knocks in different sports, though. Yeah. I'd, to get that behind-the-scenes look... Say in the NBA or Major League Baseball, especially NBA would be awesome. I you know I remember the Flyers did it a few mm-hmm. years ago with the Rangers
1: for the Winter Classic, the Winter Classic. Um, and that was really cool. Like, yeah. and that was only I think like a few weeks of just kind of like following them around mm-hmm. and it was like a just
0: five part.
1: Yeah, and it was really just preparation for that game. It wasn't really even following you know preseason or anything like that. And again, this is where football has the advantage because mm-hmm. it's kind of just like. You have like the cuts, and that's really dramatic. And you have the preseason games, and like the training, like it's all like the injuries that happen, and all it's that. all kind of like almost made for TV in that sense. But yeah, I think like like one around like the summer league would really be cool for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like you have that would like awesome. you've know, got like you want to see these rookies in action, get like a little more in depth of them. I think that'd be cool um so yeah i think unknown players there there'd definitely be like room for for other leagues for sure I, spring training be, with baseball spring training would be fun to watch because then it's like people are already pumped up for it anyway you get this cool like behind the scenes look i think baseball fans will like read and watch anything really they're yes. very
0: driven towards any baseball content so yeah this that'd be guy. cool i would watch that um so yeah i think that's one thing hard knocks and hbo or whatever company uh wants to should dabble into um some things happening at the link though the uh, usa's friendly against portugal the women's national team uh their little victory tour series that they're doing uh when it comes to philly on august 29th uh over 40,000 tickets have been sold this is as of four hours ago via lincoln financial fields twitter at lff stadium uh the U.S. women's national team has a chance to break its attendance record for a standalone friendly match. So, what well, could when, happen
1: in Philly? When you go on a, a champion's tour, Jill Ellis no longer with the team, though. She's uh, she's off. Way to go out, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Philly, you know, already, like, this area is definitely very soccer forward. Also helps that Julie Ertz is, like... You know, one of the stars of the team, and people just gravitate towards that last name if you're in Philadelphia. So, yeah, I mean, it's a combination of things, and awesome to see them selling something like that out. Hopefully, it turns into a good turnout. And hopefully, the weather is nice, too. That's yes. always something it's you're a big competing part. with. It's, it's going to be tropical storm
0: slash hurricane season, so hopefully avoid that mess. Yes. A uh, little bit of uh, odds and ends. Happy 28th birthday to South Jersey's own Mike Trout. Um just uh he's only twenty-eight is unreal to think about, um, because of all that he's already accomplished and what else is to come, but shout out to uh Millville's own Mike Trout and uh just keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep putting on a show out in Anaheim for everybody here in South Jersey. Um we have new merch in the works on our Design Tree storefront. If you didn't know already, we are partnered up with Design Tree they are now our official apparel distributor, uh, so if you go on Design Tree's website, search Underground Sports Philadelphia, you'll find all of our merch that's available. We just had a big order come through today, Matt. Five of our uh, outside-the-box shirts purchased in one order, so shout out to uh, that order that was placed, because all that money that we get back to from our merch goes back into the show, it allows us to you know do equipment upgrades, it allows us to go to events, go to uh, games and stuff to get that insight for you, where we may not have credentials for that team or league yet. Um, you know, it allows us to do the giveaways we've done with the Bryce Harper jersey, the Jimmy Butler jersey, uh, way back when, and uh, it really helps show out. So, uh, if you want to get your merch, it's DSGN Tree. Uh, just search it, and they are on Twitter at DSGN Tree. Uh, give them a follow, let them know we sent you, and go get your merch. But think that's all we got for you guys uh, today. Make sure you are subscribed to us, like we said, on Apple Podcasts and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know who you think is going to win tomorrow night between the Eagles and Titans and who your uh, player to watch tomorrow will be. And make sure you check out Eagles Enemies with myself and Teron Davenport available in all your podcast feeds right now uh, to get ready for tomorrow night. And then also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts and then uh, follow us on Twitter at Underground PHI. Follow us on Instagram now at Underground PHI. We changed over our Instagram handle to match with Twitter so it was easier for you to find us. And uh, yeah, we will be back again on Saturday talking about this Eagles game, talking about hopefully some more Phillies wins, and uh, whatever else may pop up in the news. But as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21. Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 156. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.